Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Well, happy Monday, everyone. It's July 27th, and I am back home with my glorious podcast, Mike. How are you doing, <laughs> gentlemen? Doing good, and you sound great. Oh, so good. Yeah, you do. I know I sound About great. About time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't want to record any of these these past three weeks while I was out there in the middle of nowhere. So. <laughs> you mean the middle of awesomewhere. Yeah, middle of awesomewhere. That's all right. Say that right. What we got? What we got? So, so we were talking a little bit before the show. Uh, sounded like you guys had a follow up on the Intel seven nanometer conversation we were having last week. We did. After Russ brought up uh, how much trouble Intel was having getting to the seven seven nanometer fabrications, um, I saw an article that says that they're considering third party fabs, which um, I guess shouldn't be terribly surprising. Still, I think fits in the end of an era sort of conversation. But Russ had a lot to say about it. Yeah, I and, and there's probably like three different aspects to this, right? I think some of you probably saw the tweet I put out that like closing the week, actually starting on Wednesday and then and then following to the end of the week, AMD's share price closed higher than Intel's for the first time ever, literally ever. So consider that for a moment. It's an incredibly big deal. They just yeah. they've 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 yeah, gone from being on the verge of bankruptcy to now being more valuable than Intel, and they're even you know pushing Nvidia a little bit here and there. So. It's pretty crazy to see that. So it doesn't surprise me <clears throat> that Intel is looking at third-party fabs. But I really think it's something that they should consider getting out of altogether. I, what we were talking about before was I feel like there are other areas that they need to be considering or putting their effort towards more so. And, and things like how are they going to deal with ARM? I mean, ARM is, is coming. I mean, you know, Mac's going to yeah. be putting, or they're going to be putting ARMs inside of Macs. There's ARM inside of Chrome OS. There's ARM going to be running Windows. How are they going to deal with that aspect of the industry? I, I really think they need to focus really on different areas because, at the, you know, it used to be a very, very strong, not only competitive advantage, but it almost was just a blocker for people getting in the industry, was having your own fab and spending the billions there in the R&D and, and that was something that was very, very strong for Intel, and it helped them build into who they are today. I don't think it's helping them at all, obviously, uh, at this point in time. And I really think they should consider just saving those billions and focusing on other areas that they need to really kind of try and grow their business and compete where they're really kind of being outshined right now. This gets even worse for them. <laughs> Apparently, the, the sharks, are, sharks are circling them right now because there is now an investigation going on oh. into securities fraud, uh, basically stating that there is one class action firm in the U.S., whether Intel misrepresented and concealed manufacturing and performance with its next generation oh. seven nanometer chips. So yes. basically, they're they're looking to to kind of investigate on investor losses and yeah, whether yeah. or not they were they were misled. That's yeah. yeah. How long have you known that <laughs> you weren't going to be able to do this, right? Exactly. And so that those are the types of things that you know, Intel just can't seem to get it right at this moment. They've really been struggling for several years. Quite frankly, they're lucky that they had the lead that they did, but they have squandered it. It is completely gone. AMD That's is caught up in performance. 
They are better in power efficiency. They're they're better in overall PCIe lane throughput. I mean, there's all sorts of different things that they're better than. And then in just raw performance, they're very, very close on a per core, per, per IPC basis. And so it's, it's only going to be one or two more iterations, and AMD is going to beat them in quite literally every single scenario. In fact, on the laptop wow. side, which is an area where AMD has lagged considerably for the last 20 years, they're better. Starting mm-hmm. starting about two months ago, or it, oh. they they are better. That's so pretty it's makes a, sense when you get better performance and lower power draw in the same form factor or smaller. I I can see why you'd win the mobile space pretty quick. Yep, it's just crazy that in a fifteen watt package we're seeing you know eight core CPUs. Gosh, um, that's it's just that's just Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. Next bit of news. Uh, Major League Baseball. Another quick sports update. Uh, I saw a tweet last night that said, uh, all, of all the teams that have played, most most of them are about three games in. There are no undefeated teams yet. Or oh, already, cool. Rather, which is crazy to, to see that. But um, back to the, the, the fan experience and all that kind of stuff, the Major League Baseball will have fake digital fans. It'll look like the fans from EA Sports, uh, NCAA football, if you've ever played that. Uh, Rest in peace. That's my favorite video (laughs) game ever. And uh, they could do the wave, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And then I saw a tweet from the NBA saying they're going to have projected screens. We actually got to see a video of it today. Uh, But they're going to have screens that stand. They're like 17-foot wide or tall screens, rather, and like, I don't know, uh, the width of the court or something like that. Have several sections of it. And if you saw the Microsoft Teams update where you can take everybody that's in the the meeting and you put them all side by side, like they're in an auditorium or at a cafe or something like that, they're going to put it like that. Yeah. Be, you're, you're looking at a Microsoft Teams experience on the sideline of fake fans. That's <laughs> like, what is happening? So, your, so your just, just so we're really clear, the those stuff. aren't fake fans. Those are actual fans. Oh, it's going to be real fans. <laughs> yeah, so like the the teams, awesome. the teams one is going to be like people actually, real people piped in, as far as I understand it. In fact, oh. one of uh, one of the guys, he's a he's a That's fancy solutions manager for for us, Peter Bean. He actually is a manager of our unified communications and collaboration division. He put out a, a t- or not a tweet, but a post on LinkedIn. They're just like, this is oozing with innovation, which is the what they're showing. And by the way, those screens are already there. I don't know if you guys have watched any of the the, the games for the NBA right now, but it's it's an incredible setup. They've done a really good yeah. job. And yeah, so cool. those screens that are up and running, I mean, they're able to pipe in about 300 fans that are actually sitting on teams and then use AI to kind of like place them in individual seats and they can actually pipe in the sound from them. I mean, it's a really, really cool option of what they're doing. What's interesting is, is the announcers for the NBA – I guess Zoom has kind of became the next Kleenex because they're like, they're Zooming in fans, which I'm sure Microsoft <laughs> really, really didn't like the idea of with them with them leveraging that, that terminology. But compared to using Unreal Engine to put in fake fans like what the MLB is doing, which I don't know, maybe it's better than nothing. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I thought that was actually just a, a really, really cool uh, solution. And, and I think yeah. as time goes on, you know, by the time they get to the finals in the next few months, I have a feeling that the NBA is going to have refined and really made this experience about as good as it yeah. truly can be. That's what yeah, I was wondering awesome. is, you know, where this goes, because uh, some of this stuff, it feels like, okay, we, we've gotten 
old system of doing things. We've got technology. Let's just put Band-Aids where Band-Aids need to be. Not not to say that isn't an elegant solution. It sounds pretty cool. But give it give it just a little while considering the amount of money that I'm sure is just evaporating by not having these things happening. You will find people solving problems in really cool and new and efficient ways. And so it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see what comes out of it. Yeah, it really is. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to just seeing not only what they're going to do right now, but man, what happens when things get back to normal? What all is going to change? And I know we're all probably waiting to see what that's like in normal every day-to-day life, but I just feel like there's there's so many industries right now that are being disrupted by, you know, yeah. I guess COVID, but but realistically they're also being disrupted by themselves in technological ways and you know, the NBA is one of them. And the NBA has usually been a fairly forward-thinking technology league. So it's all of a lot of the sports leagues that are not Major League Baseball. And so I think that that's just going to be very interesting to see what all they continue to do. Like, are they going, going to be able to provide some form of experience for people digitally that they'll be paying for tickets for in the future that they weren't before? Yeah. Like, is VR yeah, coming will. into that? You know, that's, that's where I think that this is going to explode. You sports people will pay for anything. We will. You're right. It's great. It's yeah. true. It's Who, true. Just tell me where to invest. Just yeah. think about I'm not buying Julie and I being able to sit next to each other in VR while tech is smashing OU in pretty much every sport and me just uh, just just trashing him the whole time. That's yeah, the I dream. Will, we're I will pay for a ticket when the pitchers explode. Okay. <laughs> Tyler, you are a strange person. No. He is a strange that's, person. We already <laughs> Robot Sports. I'm there. I'm in. Um, Sounds awesome. All right. Let's move on to the next thing here. <laughs> and hey, guess what? It's another day. There's another hack. And hey. I don't know if any of y'all. I hope know, I'm not affected by it. I'm going to look around. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all know Dave. Uh, Dave.com. Uh, their slogan appears to be banking for humans, uh, but it's a dig- digital banking app and apparently a tech unicorn. Uh, but apparently they confirmed that there's been a security breach after a hacker published the details of not one, not five, but seven and a half million users on a public forum. Uh, apparently, Ooh, yeah, the security, yeah, the security breach originated from a uh, former business partner, Waydev, uh, which is an analytics platform used by the engineering teams there, Dave. And apparently, let's see, the data includes a wealth of information. Like, stop me when this sounds new, uh, but it's real names, phone numbers, emails, birth dates, home addresses. Apparently, it also includes social security numbers, but Dave said that those were encrypted. Sure, Dave. Uh, which the, the article from ZDNet confirmed uh, after obtaining a copy of the data. So, Sure, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I can't do that, Dave. Um, I, yeah. I don't know how I don't even know what to feel about this anymore. Like for for Dave, I feel bad, right? Because the breach wasn't Dave's breach; it was a breach from a former business partner, which was a platform that they had been using. So, how do companies learn to trust each other? How do com- companies learn to trust their employees? As we saw in the Twitter hack, how do how do consumers learn to trust the companies and the company's partners and the company's employees? You know what I mean? Like, and when am I yeah. going to wake up and it's like? You know, well, I'm not even going to say what the ones I'm concerned about, but, you know, my banking thing or whatever. It must not be that bad because the financial ramifications of even gross negligence leading to these kinds of leaks is never very severe. 
it's clear that these things need to be more severe, right? Like that's a that's a phenomenal point. We we have to have much much bigger repercussions for this. I, I fear that people are getting tone deaf. I mean, you hear about something like this every yeah, and, other day. And sorry if anyone couldn't hear the sarcasm in my voice there. That's exactly yeah. what I was getting at. I mean, we're, we're Always talking about sarcasm. <laughs> this is true. That is my default state. But um, you know, I I I think a lot about in particular the um the, you know the Experian breach, right? Or sorry, no, it was Equifax. Which one? It was Equifax, wasn't it? Yes. Probably uh, above. Well, yeah. yeah, but but Equifax was the one that was like the really big one that was in the news, and it was yeah. like hundreds of millions of U.S. adults had their their credit report information in addresses, social security numbers, all of like the worst, literally the people who are tracking your credit identity, which is the only reason identity theft is a big problem for most people, right? It's banking, it's loans, it's all that stuff. Their leak was catastrophic beyond proportions and the the resulting fines were like a slap on the wrist it's like wow yeah, yeah. they shouldn't exist that. anymore try, try not to do that again not not because it's completely involuntary that people use you for all of their personal data because it is by the way and and that you have insufficient infrastructure or processes in place to prevent a leak of that magnitude. But if and when it does happen, we'll ask you nicely not to do it again. It's ridiculous. It, it bothers me because in, every time I hear something like this, whether it's, you know, we lost data or something was encrypted or, or security breach happened, whatever else. And I know this isn't always the case because nothing is foolproof, but I cannot help but think that there was someone in an IT department somewhere that said, hey, we need a million dollars to fix this thing. And someone looked at that and said, no, I'd rather yeah, have the million yes. dollars. Yes. And it pisses me off. It, it no, just me drives too. me, me insane. Because, and I get it. Like, Not everyone has certain money to do certain things. But you know, no, of course. in most areas of life, if you don't have the money to do something, then you don't get well, to play in that area. You know what, though? But we're, we're also we're all in technology. So we know how this works in a lot of cases. And, and generally speaking, when you look at like IT spend as it relates to, um, you know, either profit or or even just earnings. Right. You're talking about single digit percentages in certain cases, most cases, actually, right. which is probably appropriate depending on the business and those sorts of things. And then you look in other areas where. Uh, startups are disrupting and stuff like that. And they obviously have a different kind of spend, but even large players that are being more inventive tend to be spending more on app dev at the very least when it comes, which trickles down obviously to, to I, uh, sort of IT infrastructure and that sort of stuff. But to your point, the comment you just made, it it's a it's an odd conversation and it, it ends up being, I think, a pretty fiery one about whether or not there should be regulation on how forward-looking companies like that, when you're talking about the U.S. Big Three credit unions, for instance, and what they should be doing in like the research and development and application of security tool space ahead of where markets are. And that's, that's one where, you know, I, I'm not huge on having any government coming in and just say, you have to spend your money this way, right? That, that Just think about the ramifications of such a statement. But when that much of the, in this case, the US, but let's go past that to world banking and stuff like that, because they probably fall in the same category. When that much risk is in what you do, 
there should be a baseline expectation that you are some of the most advanced security companies in the world, in my opinion. And I, I the only agree. way you do that isn't necessarily, there's only two ways to do it. You do it with a carrot, you do it with a stick. And usually sticks are the only ones that are going to work from regulatory perspective. So you either set a regulation up front or to the beginning of this conversation, you punish severely when mistakes are made. I, I think we need to you mean? make a fundamental when, shift. Go ahead, Billy, if you want to ask a question. Well, yeah, no, just uh, what is punishing severely? When I think about it, when I compare it to like the NCAA, because I've got that on my mind, really hoping college football comes back. Everyone do your college football dance or whatever it means or however we do that. But Do they have uh, robot players yet? <laughs> I'm kidding. That would be uh, terrible in NCAA. Nobody wants well, college robots. So in the robots. NCAA, when you have these, when you have these <laughs> gross, like just big, big issues, you get what's called the death penalty, right? And they say, you no longer get to compete in the postseason. You no longer get to have scholarships to recruit, um, uh, to recruit players. You no longer have this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Those are extreme penalties. Do do you, well, absolutely. Do you, do you do but that? regulation. And, and again, like it's that conversation is always going to be bristly, but the answer is regulation because it's very difficult for definitely in the United States. I would imagine this is true just about everywhere else. If you don't set the rule outright and take away loopholes and wiggle room that says, if you make a mistake that looks like this, then the penalties are going to be really, really bad. Then it's really hard to, to do really, really bad penalties. So by not having any rules that say you must do X, Y, Z that spell out how bad the end result can be, it's very difficult to, in our legal system, actually pin somebody down to a severe outcome. So, so what, happens, what happens when the, the regulation comes out and then now all of a sudden, okay, now there's a challenge out there for hackers to just go and get these companies either shut down or receive the death penalty or whatever, whatever sure. the severity level but, is. But see, I don't think regulation in this case, it, and this is, it, don't get me wrong. Like this is part of the reason yeah, you don't want to stuff like regulation. Well, no, no, no. This is part of the reason that stuff like regulation is so difficult. And so, so bristly anyways, yeah. it's extremely difficult to write effective red, uh, exactly. regulation for something like this. But my opinion would be, it's not that you're punishing somebody for being breached you're punishing someone for not having the process and procedures in place to do the absolute best effort to prevent it. What best effort looks like is why the regulation is difficult. But yeah. again, we're technologists. A lot of our listeners are, listeners are technologists. We know that there are certain things one could do in a data center, as an example, that is going to make your security profile more robust than by not doing it. Yeah, but things like software-defined networking and, and isolation yeah, are, are well, examples of that. technologies that are there that some people don't do and will have breaches. But look at these last two examples. Twitter, Twitter employees got played. Mm -hmm. That's that's the headline. They got but played. But Twitter, Twitter, and yeah. you remember our reaction when we find out how many people had keys, right? Yeah, like how many people had keys to the kingdom? That is one yeah, of those arguably common sense baselines that just says that is nonsense security policy. In fact, I know for a fact that we've got a few people, at least in our Twitter sphere, that know this stuff like backwards and forward. Yeah. I'm thinking like the Bob Plankers of the world and stuff, right? Security people. We'd love to have you come on here and talk about this. There are baseline really good expectations for what good looks like. And those are the things that you build 
you know, either standards or regulations on. And standards is yeah. another way to do this too. If the standard is out there and it says, this is how you keep yourself secure. And there's, and I know we have some. Well, and we're not going to solve, right? solve it this morning. No, but, I know. But Dave's name ended up in the headlines. It wasn't Dave. It was right. a former business partner, Waydev, <laughs> a platform that they used. So, so I, I, I think all, all of this is the stick. Like you said, carrot and stick. All of this is the stick. I think we need to consider a different way to change the carrot because, like you mentioned, software developers and and there's there's different you know lines of business that that are viewed as strategic because they work directly with feature development that directly affects customers and and maybe the people who run those different departments are compensated differently. I think we need to to take a fundamental shift in the way information data protection and security is done inside of a business. And not make the people who are responsible for that, you know, paid on what a lot of IT operations people are paid on, which is like EBITDA. So it's like, you know, how much they basically can can save the company. I think they need to look at it from the standpoint of like, you are paid to prevent these things from happening. And they need to make some form of performance-based compensation around that and literally move that to the structure of this is not us managing costs, this is something that we consider as, a, as driving a line of business for us. Yeah. And we need to make security around that matter. And then make it to where it's like, okay, I haven't had a breach in year one, two, or three. So every year, <clears throat> you're bonused on same thing as oh, you would have dude. like a, a retainership or something yeah. like that. So Maybe yeah. I, I think like that a, they should yeah. do something like that to yeah. make sure that these people are properly motivated to push in the right direction. Yeah. No, that's great. There you go. There, there's the carrot, man. I, I mean, I was just... On off the cuff, I was thinking, well, carrots are actually more difficult in this place. But no, you just nailed it. It's it's uh, you know it's your CISO uh, bonuses can be tied to you know lack of breaches and stuff like that. And then individuals sure. in the organization have similar objectives around on that sort of stuff too. So that they they are to your point incented to kind of do the best possible effort. And maybe requiring transparency in advertising, right? Or you go to their page and there's a required thing that says like, yep, we've gone three and a half years without a breach, blah, blah, blah. There you go. Make it very public. We've gone 22 seconds. Or or, or maybe don't. <laughs> just just <laughs> so that, that uh, like a challenge too. Man. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Everywhere you know, I go in this, struggle. It, it, it all steps up as, a, yeah, it all looks to me like a challenge. But for someone no, to it's a big one. Yeah. And it's I think that's why the, the security the industry... Is is blossoming. I don't know if that's the right word because it seems like a dark, nasty flower. But um, it it is growing. It's growing extremely fast. So I think a lot of companies are cognizant of how important this is, and maybe that's also sort of a hint at things to come on the regulatory or standard side of things as well. I don't know. I honestly don't know enough about it. But it is a super curious and interesting topic because, you know, right back to the beginning of the conversation, this seems to come up almost daily. And Russ, you called it. It's like people are getting numb to this, but it it is so dangerous to just have all of that information related to yourself out there. And then the other end is maybe maybe there are adjustments that can and should be made in the financial industry to make it less useful to have that information too. But, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. another solution to some of that's this. Good idea. Who cares who has your social security number and your home address and your maiden name and what the name of your first dog was if we had a system that was different better at validating your identity so let's uh, let's let's pause there and as i think i think it was tyler that was requesting uh, but we all we all feel it if uh if this is your area of expertise and you're listening right now hit us up we'd love to have you on come educate us come educate our listeners uh jump on the show and let us ask you questions if you don't mind Uh, related to 
the first topic that we talked about, Russ, I just saw that TSMC jumped nearly 10%, adding $34 billion in value as in chip delays. $34 billion. Yeah, that's a lot of Bs. On the yeah, on the back of their competition facing delays. Okay, uh, let's let's jump through this one super fast. But uh, you can now boot a Windows ninety five PC inside <laughs> Minecraft and play Doom on it. That's the what dream. Was the passcode? Did, did was, you see this demo? I did QD. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a secret. <laughs> it's literally in my blood now. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm actually reeling at the not remembering right off the top of my head. It's like I can it's the equivalent of right the tip of my brain, but the uh, infinite ammo code, um, which will come to me. But well, uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you can't. Anyway, let's it. move. Let's move. Past yeah, because I tell it. No, did you see the demo of this though? Because I actually saw this. It's probably a week ago. Uh, no. I think it, it creeped up on Reddit. It's no, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I don't either. No, I, I it was know. a video. And uh, Minecraft is amazing, by the way. I wish I want my kid. It's like Legos in a video game. It's brilliant. The world is yeah. just your oyster. My oldest but, um, it, though. And they watch videos of other people playing it, which is that's that's funny. Um, then again, that's what, what all of like video game streaming is right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. Play. But it's still weird. You're, like it's cool like, if I watch like watching Rust people play, play sports. But if I What's watch the Rust difference? play, then I'm watching. You're right. You're right. But if I watch <laughs> Rust play, then I'm I'm like cheering for my buddy. Right, like get him with that grenade, you know, whatever. I think the difference is, is in, the, and I have this conversation all the time because I don't, I don't watch people play Minecraft. I don't even watch people play like just games in general. I watch competitive tournaments or competitive games in general. Nice. Yes, I realize that, that, but I, I also remember growing up and watching my seven-year-old brother play Mario. So I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I remember my brother turning off the Nintendo when it was. Oh. Oh no! I did that when I was losing because I was the younger brother. I hate my brother. I three years. Okay, younger, let's keep right? it moving. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> no, what was I going to say? Oh, I had a comment a about that. No, I was, uh, but then I got totally distracted and now I forget what. Uh, um, oh, oh. Anyways, it was, it was neat because they built an environment that had a you know a computer in Minecraft, right? So it was built. Yeah. Uh, the logic is built in Minecraft, but then they also had an interface and a giant floppy disk that they had created. So they pulled the giant floppy disk and actually go through the installation of Windows 95. It's not just like, oh, <laughs> har, har, awesome. there's a screen with Windows 95. It's like Windows 95 has booted. You've gone through the entire boot process, and then you pull out the floppy needed to install, install Doom, Doom from your desk oh in gosh. it. And so you step through like all of the DOS commands and everything. I'm like, what? It was That's great. It cool. was It was really cool, actually. That's a history lesson. In a oh, video for game. sure. And Minecraft, Minecraft has been one of the coolest platforms for that because it is so open-ended. Like years ago now, one of the first ones that like bubbled up where people were doing crazy stuff in there because of some of the world dynamics, a kid built a fully functional, I think it was like a 4-bit or 8-bit computer like a full logic system and you he's running around in this giant 3d universe showing you how the wires connect to make like a bus it's awesome that's crazy it was really really cool it is literally from the ground up building the logic of a computer system with levers and wires it's it's what really a nerd cool. oh big time it was <laughs> very scary. funny <laughs> Props. Uh, <laughs> I say that all the time, just knowing that I'm okay. <clears throat> anyway, uh, saw this one. This is at the top of Tech Meme right now. Google to keep employees home until summer 2021. 
amid uh, coronavirus pandemic. And I know that we've, uh, so at Dell, they've said, look, we're going to be on the cautious side of this. This makes Google uh, even more so on the cautious side. You know, we've said, look, nobody's going back until, we're not even going to consider it until next fiscal year, which is February of 2021. But that's where I want to ask y'all, as the stuff kind of keeps getting pushed out and we develop the right muscles to be able to do this the way that we're doing it. And I know we've had these conversations before, but do you ever feel like it's, it's going to go back the other direction? I think it will for some industries and some people, but I I think a lot of industries will say no. And I think we talked about this early on too. There there are some companies that are looking at this for some to go and some to not. Yeah, I I think so. I think so. You're going to have a mix of employees. Like some are going to want to be back in an office. Absolutely. And at some point it will be okay. And some will never like, They'll either have a work-life situation now yeah. that they've developed because of this that they don't want to give up. And if the company wants to keep the employee, then the company needs to understand the employee is just going to work from home or work at home or however it's going to I think that. we're going to see a significant or amount more of a hybrid office. model. Yeah. I, I just yeah. I think that we're going to have – and there's going to be more options. I mean, there's going to be more – there's going to be a lot more openness. Whether or not companies go whatever, full remote or anything, it's, that, it's probably not one swing one way or the other too much. I mean, there's going to be some at both ends of the sure. spectrum, but I think what we're really going to see more of is the willingness and ability to hire someone who lives in an area that you wouldn't have otherwise considered because they're the yep. right person yeah. for the job. That's the that's biggest right. thing I think that's going to change. I think there will be more of that, but I also think that's still going to be industry specific too. I mean, in I the developer so. space, I sure. think that's super, super obvious that that's something that's going to happen because you know you can do most of your duties without the human interaction side, and so who cares if you're in Milwaukee or the Bay Area, right? But um, others obviously uh, do require a little bit more locality for what they do, so you'll see a mix. And I agree; I think it's going to be hybrid for a lot of people. But I also think one of the reasons that we'll see that shift is that um, there are financial benefits in some cases to not having as many employees needing office space, right? I mean, pretty sure. obvious thread to pull there is that it, what I'm curious about because it's a bit of a follow-on is what does that mean for the commercial real estate space? Other than yeah, terribly, not a lot of good. <laughs> that was my next question as well, man, because having driven from New Mexico to uh, back home to Texas and you see all these like wonderful ranches and you pull it mm-hmm. up on Zillow or whatever, you're like, wow, you get all that for like a quarter of what I'm paying where I'm at now, you know, then you're miles and miles or hours away, away from, from your everything, and family and all that kind of stuff. But and in some cases, a good internet connection. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, man. It won't take yeah. long for that to get it's fixed. If, if yeah. you start yeah. to get higher wages and people people are buying more ranch land because of it, or, or divvying up, yeah. you know, four hundred acre lots into twenty acre lots, and people are coming out and buying them, then your internet. Yeah. If your internet's the only thing holding that back, won't take long. Amanda I mean, I had a guy do it a couple of years ago. A friend of mine who who works for customers, he he left um, the DFW area, went to uh, I don't know somewhere in think Tennessee or Louisiana, something like that, somewhere in that general vicinity and got 15, 20 acres. I think it was a <laughs> awesome. 10 or 11,000 square foot home. Good. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he's a yeah, storage administrator and he's a good one and he's paid well. And it's like, he was able to get that for the same price as what he was paying for his, you know, what you would just consider a normal home yeah. here in DFW. And he has you literally, literally, to your point, you a several hundred meg connection. You know, yeah, if, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, if you're willing to live literally anywhere, there are a lot of opportunities. Uh, one of my wife's cousins posted this place 
that was in Michigan for maybe it's a high 400s, low 500s, but it was on 20 acres and it was a castle. <laughs> I want a castle. I know yeah. I know of a 20 acre castle that's pretty close to where I live. I say that, but I've walked through a lot of castles in Europe. And I don't, I yeah. don't think that would actually be a pleasant experience, especially but for dude, somebody like me who likes well, to put holes in walls like and run wires. Acre, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but, but go find 20 acres in the DFW area oh, and gosh, a castle no. on it and tell me it's going to be high 400s, low 500s. No, find me a castle in DFW, period. Grand, but I can, I can show you where one is. It's not four, four or 500 grand. Anyway. All right. <laughs> We should probably shut this down. Y'all have anything else? We no need way. To, uh, run through no, we got all kinds of good stuff. You guys have a hard stop? Good. No, I don't. Keep going. Good. Have you it's guys? Well, actually, I don't care. That's Nobody right. This is awake yet. Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Fix Tyler your calendar. I am. I yeah. I, I finished that first cup of coffee. I did not get. I went to sleep very late last night because I was doing things that I will have to describe another time. Um, it's it's related to. Uh, yeah no <laughs> at least just, i'm cutting it off do. there no it's house stuff it's house stuff but uh oh, okay but it's not something that i'm i'm throwing out on the internet yet so uh <laughs> but it's funny you'll all laugh later just tuck that in the back um everybody needs to go if you haven't already and google boston dynamics sand flea okay. right we we love talking about oh. these guys right yeah but is this more nightmare material no, no, no. It's awesome. It's hilarious too, because it's just, I don't know. It's cool. It's, it's a, I'm going to call it tiny. It's tiny compared to their other robots, like the dog and, and their, their Sand big humanoid robots, robot. right? It's four wheels, but the thing props itself up on the backside and then fires this just badass spring basically and launches itself up to 10 meters in the air. Whoa. So like think jumping on top cool. of buildings and then just hits and sort of like bounces and lands and then can go rope around again. It's freaking okay. awesome. I immediately first use case thought of the battlefield. Yes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Seriously. No, it walks up to this wall. That's like 20 feet tall Yeah, and jumps. And it. it just jumps on top of the wall. Yeah, no problem. That, so they got it yeah, like that. jumping on top of buildings and stuff like that. It's so cool. I'd never need a ladder again. I just Between need it. And that guy with a camera. Be a problem. Boom. Wow. It it's really cool. Durable. So Google what it, it just did, it jumped up on top of the building. And then using that same force, it jumped off the building. So now it's going that much higher and it landed just fine and kept going. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's, it was really cool. I, I stumbled across it and I was just like, that's amazing. Because it's, it's, it's not big. It's yeah. a really cool idea. And it's literally never something I thought about. Like, why don't we make an RC car that can jump over buildings? Yeah. And this is why I wish I worked at Boston Dynamics. You guys hiring? (laughs) I don't know a lot about what you do. I mean, what you do, the cool stuff, but I'm no roboticist. how it's doing it, though. I should have been a robot surgeon. I could have been a robot surgeon. Well, How's it doing it? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. I have not. I saw the video and and then I found out what the name was. I, I too, will be Googling it. I want to understand. My guess is that it's a pneumatically actuated, like, think garage spring or something along those lines. Because yeah, I think that would be the lowers simplest these way little to legs down, and then all of a sudden, it just potential. takes off. Well, okay, so I did Whatever. see. I saw one picture. It has this little, like, it almost looks like a rubber-ended piston that sits on the backside. That's obviously uh, what fires into the ground. It's yeah, just yeah. a matter of how they fire it into the ground, and I'm, there's a ton of different ways to solve <laughs> that. But they. So I'm looking at the uh, Boston Dynamics video of it, and it weighs 11 pounds. Or this was wait, what in the world? This video is from eight years ago. Is it old? It could be. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. But it's so cool, though. All right. So maybe there's a new yeah. version of it or something. Go check I'd it out. I'd never heard of it either. 
But uh, it says it can jump 30 feet in the air. The top comment says, <laughs> it says, I thought it was only going to jump a little high. <laughs> yeah, it just like catapults in the air. It's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, in this yep. same vein, researchers uh, apparently built robotic skin with a sense of touch. Oh, uh, cool. Those come up every okay. once in a while, like robotic smells and stuff. That's crazy. Well, we saw the, what was it, the tongue that could taste all these kinds of flavors or something. We were trying to figure out the other day. That's crazy, anyway. man. It's where you combine all these things and we're not, we're not too far away from having a Terminator. Yeah, well, that's true. Gosh, just the, the humanoid robots and the fact that they can do flips now. That's pretty I mean, look, work. you probably don't, if you want them to stand in a crowd and be not unnoticed, you probably don't want them jumping 20, 30 feet high. Well, they go that, unnoticed that until they jump into NBA, the sky. Like, it's just like yeah, every other superhero or villain. It's more like a supervillain, right? Like, they're just walking around with their sunglasses and their ball cap on, and then all of a sudden they launch off the ground and wreak havoc. That's, that's the robots. Just like your average superhero or supervillain, <laughs> says Tyler. Okay, we're devolving now. If you're still listening and you have work to do, I highly suggest you be productive and turn off this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Probably time. I got one more topic, but we can talk about it tomorrow. Right. It's a throwback to uh, Starship Technologies and their delivery robots. There's some new news there too, which is cool. But uh, on robots, yeah, remember uh, it was quite a ways back now. But uh, we talked about Starship Technologies. That was on. It was in May, dude. It was a couple months ago. But uh, they're they're the little company that had oh, yeah. the six wheeled robots run, running around that little town outside yeah. of like in the UK, a suburb in the UK. Well, uh -huh. Amazon is venturing into that, and their robot looks really similar, which makes me wonder if they did anything together. But apparently, Ooh. in they were. It's, I'm sorry, it's I got soon. more news off of that. Sorry, go ahead. Well, there you go. Let's do it. Anyways, Amazon Scout is what it's called, and Amazon is working on also autonomous delivery vehicles that are uh, well, that what I said. <laughs> Yeah, uh, safe and robust offering on-demand package delivery for consumers and businesses. Yeah, just like a little six-wheeled. I won't lie. I'm kind of sad that it isn't a production-scale drone delivery system. I mean, this yeah. looks way safer and makes more sense in a lot of ways, but I wanted the drone version. Well, maybe it is. So before I get to the other bit of news on Amazon um, and why they were trending last week, but drone can be something on the ground. I know. I air. almost said that, but everyone knows be. what I'm talking about when I say drone delivery packages. I, I want I the extremely disruptively loud helicopter version of my package <laughs> being delivered, which is probably why it's not a thing. <laughs> Honey, what? I can't hear you over the drone. There's a package coming with a drone. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> when package <laughs> delivery becomes an event, yeah, yeah, yeah. See? You don't have to knock on your <laughs> that, door. That would be so annoying because we get like four a day. So annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, they because we order our because they be huge. Back. They deliver and them all we get the same on time. Thirty minutes later, and then we order our Red Bull, and then we get on thirty <laughs> minutes later, and we order more, uh, you know, pull ups or whatever. Not for me. For the three. None of your okay. none of your kids are in pull ups anymore. No, nah, I'm a three-year-old. I'm kidding. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you always, you always have a young one. She's potty trained. She's potty trained <laughs> at like 19 months. Okay, let's get it back on the show. Okay, this is the last <laughs> thing. So it's funny that you mentioned that Amazon came out with a version of the Starship because they were in the news the other day for funding all of these different startups, cool. and then suddenly coming out with exactly the same oh, competing no. product produced by Amazon. 
Uh, yeah, that's that. that's classic Amazon. That's that they dig got accused that. of the same yeah. stuff with like butter. I, I'm joking yeah, about butter, but they did. They, they made all these generic brand versions of things that sold really well on their platform, and now they're being accused of antitrust stuff in a lot of places. So it, it, it bothers me. I, I it, these types of you know this behavior from them drives me insane so much that I, I try and find alternate means of shopping and it's difficult. Walmart just came out with like a free two day delivery or something. And so yeah, I, I, heard about know, that. I, don't, I don't, I don't like Walmart either, but it's like, what, which is the, I was going to say Walmart used to be evil. like the most evil distributor based on like sub tier supplier um, treatment. Right. I remember yeah. horror stories actually from, from acquaintances and people that I knew for a long time that, uh, came from different parts of the world where textiles were still big, right? And they would talk about the process of trying to get your goods sold to Walmart. You really had no choice but to compete for their business because they are the biggest player or were at the time, probably still are. But Walmart would actually select, like, quote unquote, give uh, purchased orders to three different companies. And then when they started to take delivery, they'd look at it and they'd decide whether or not they wanted it. And they would just cancel POs after production and completely oh. ghost on sub suppliers. But that was part of the way that Walmart kept costs down because they could, they could accelerate their supply chain and take advantage of, you know, local law and stuff like that, that they knew that they could take advantage of and just devastate companies and it would drive two cents out of every t-shirt. So do this, man. Uh, cause I am with y'all. I was literally like, I was joking about buying trash bags the other day, but I bought some yesterday. And if you just go to amazon.com search trash bags, the Amazon's choice is an Amazon brand. It's yep. 20 cents per count. Same oh, but what's the best seller dude. that's listed after it is the hefty brand, which is only 15 cents per count. Oh, that's nuts. It's not even cheaper. It's not even cheaper, dude, but Amazon Ooh. recommends Ooh. their trash bags over Hefty's trash bags. Yeah. Which well, and are I was going to say, listed as dang. ultra strong and are cheaper. That's crazy because I was going to say consumers are responsible for this, right? Because it's our buying behavior that just emboldens companies to keep doing this kind of stuff, right? We, we buy the, the cheaper version or the that quality price sort of balance, right? But well, the way that they do it, dude, flies in the face of that. So Amazon's choice, and this is, sorry, this, this episode is getting so ridiculous, but Amazon's <laughs> brand bags, in order to make it cheaper, they, they only do 50 count bags, so, but it's mm -hmm. 20 cents a bag. Crazy. If you look at the hefty trash bags, they do 80 bags and it's, so it's $3 more, but it's 50, it's, it, it's 25% less per bag. That is crazy. It's $12 versus nine bucks, but you get 80 bags I instead of 50 bags. You guys know me. I'm pretty frugal. I'm relentless at looking at the cost per unit, right? So that's how I shop, even though that's not the price that shows up on top. But um, yeah, the, the fact that that's buried in there is just is just wild. And I think Amazon, one of the smartest things they ever did was that, uh, I forget what it's called because I don't really use it, but the the service where you sign up and you get this discount for having it delivered you know, monthly, weekly, whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, subscribe and save. Yeah, yeah subscribe, subscribe, and save. subscribe and save. So that's brilliant because I toyed with it once early and I was like, hmm, I'm going to buy this thing. And I think feel like it was a food item. So it was right after they opened a pantry or something like that. Or maybe it's diapers when my kids were all in diapers and I needed like 8,000 diapers a day. But I signed up for it and you know got the first one. That's great. Got the second one. That was great. Got the third one. 
And I noticed that the price changed a lot. And I went and I looked at how the system worked. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. When you reorder it, it's dynamic pricing. So you don't actually know. It's not like I signed up for the subscribe and say price. And that's what I was going to pay every three months. My price just went up. And I was like, no way, because that stuff's all over the place. And they can totally just sort of toy with it and figure out like, are they going to ask a question? Did they notice $2 more for diapers? So, dude, so there might be a threshold where they have to. I know right out of there. Yeah. So, so right at the beginning of uh, the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, I had to subscribe and save for my air filters for my HVACs. They were, mm-hmm. and I, I have to go back and reference the tweet, but I want to say that the the package of like three of them or whatever was like 20 bucks. I got an email that said, and I don't know if there's a threshold or whatever, but suddenly it was like 68 bucks instead yeah. of like, heads Get up, out it's coming your direction. And, and it costs a like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, over three times as much. Yeah, okay. no, there were there were small fluctuations. Anyways, uh, I think that's brilliant of them because I think a lot of people will miss little changes. They may even miss big changes, right? But they, they have an opportunity to just slowly creep your price up on something like this. So when you bought it, you thought you were doing good. And it just, I don't know, it screams deceptive practice to me. So it's it yeah. just makes my skin crawl a bit. Thanks, Amazon. I know, right? Hey, um, before you go into the uh, the the you know, shut, shut the show down. Outro. Uh, we were talking this morning about potentially moving the show to Monday, Wednesday, Fridays only. Curious mm-hmm. what y'all think as listeners. We're going to try that out this week, but we'd love your feedback. You want more, you want less. And, and I know we're coming off the tails of uh, some PTO for Aaron and I, so there, we haven't been as regular on our shows, but yeah, we'd, we'd love to know if you'd like to hear us daily or if uh, three times a week looks good for you. Yeah, I'm curious if we produce too much mm. and it becomes a little overwhelming if we should condense and do, you know, bigger topics every two days instead of something every single day. Anyway, let us know what you think. Russ, thanks for coming back again, man. Um, I'm excited that I'm starting to feel like this is a regular thing. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to make it on as much as I can. Woo-hoo. All right. Love it. Shut it down, dude. Love it. All right, everybody. That's it. Russ is back and the Tech Breakfast Podcast has come to a close today. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if there's any news we missed, general feedback, or you'd like to join us for a recording, let us know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we will talk to you Wednesday. I'm Ron Burgundy. (laughs) Who put a question mark on the teleprompter? (laughs) Bye.